What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Self Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher. Kelsey Cook isn't able to make it today, but I am joined by a fantastic guest, operations manager and PR wizard, Chris Hilberg. Chris is currently my operations manager in my consulting and coaching business. Her real title is actually Operations Badass, and I absolutely love her. It is such a blast working with her every single day. And in this episode, Chris opens up about getting married at the age of 21, what led to that decision, and how it impacted her life. And just a disclaimer for this episode, Chris opens up a lot and is very candid about her personal experience with the organized religion she grew up in and her feelings about those experiences. This episode in no way is meant to offend anyone who has religious beliefs. I grew up in some religious settings. I was a religious studies major in college. I have religious family. We respect people's beliefs. We believe religion can be a wonderful tool and offer a community support guidance and comfort, and it can be a very powerful and meaningful part of someone's life. So this episode is not a generalization about religion as a whole. It is one person's experience. The main theme of this show is finding out what path works for you. So if you believe you will be upset by hearing someone share about their personal experience relating to religion and no longer being a part of that religion, this is not the episode for you. Our goal with this episode is to offer some comfort, support, insight, and laughter around this topic for anyone who might be or has been in a similar situation that Chris was in. So here's my conversation with Chris Hilberg. Chris, I love you so much. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is going to be so fun. Yay. So before we dig into all of this, do you have a favorite or least favorite quote or phrase or affirmation you happen to tell yourself? Dude, I feel like I live in the moment of like, you know, I'm that person that's like maybe scrolling and I'm like, oh, I love this. This is my new quote for like yeah. five seconds I don't, until I see the <laughs> next forget. one. Like there's nothing I really tell myself like over and over. I ask myself more so like, are you speaking your truth? Are you happy? Like those kinds of things I would say. Yeah. That's a good one. Are you happy? That's a fucking big one. That is, I think that is a, that is one we can all add into our repertoire um, day to day. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, let's dig in, shall we? Um, Can't wait. So can you share a little bit about your background, how you grew up, all that good stuff, basically things that, that you feel led to you getting married at this age? 
Yes. I think I've told you this before, but when people ask me to start, I'm like, oh my God. Like, I feel like I need to start when I was like four years old. So (laughs) we'll just start there. Like, do we have time for this? Okay. So I was raised as a Mormon, which is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Both of my parents were also raised Mormon. I feel like that's probably like pretty common. Mm -hmm. Um, just because within the religion you're taught, like you should marry somebody else who also grew up that way, just so that you have the same beliefs. So values, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I was uh, brought up in the church very much. So Um, my mom is still very active. I mean, I would say that I had a pretty like, you know, quote unquote, normal childhood, I guess, whatever that looks like. Um, And we went to church all the time. And I, of course, because I had so many rules growing up, felt the need to completely rebel at the age of 18 and went from, you know, being like the coined good girl to like trying all the things, as you can see, like tattoo, (laughs) ear piercings, like all of the things. Right. And, um, and then a few years later, I met someone who had also been raised in the church and because I had been told, you know, my whole life that was really the reason why God had put me on this earth was Mm -hmm. to get married and to support my husband and to bear children. And Mm. so when I met him and I almost was like behind the times, like a ton of girls that I had grown up with, well, girls and boys, I guess had already gotten married. Like my best friend had gotten married at the age of 18. So at 20, like meeting somebody, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm one of the only ones left in my class. Yeah. Class gotten married. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Right. 20 is old. And so he had kind of been on the same journey as me. He had I wouldn't say left the church, but he had definitely like experimented with, um, recreational things and like broken the word of wisdom, you know? And I was like, Oh, like we could have some things in common. And so, I mean, just typical Mormon dating, like you're not supposed to have sex until you get married. And so I also feel like that kind of can shorten your engagement because everyone wants to have sex. (laughs) And so you're like, this is so much fun. Like we like each other. Let's get married. So we can have sex. Right. Exactly. And so both of us had already had sex in our like experimental phase. And so it wasn't necessarily that we like wanted to, well, of course we wanted to have sex, but Right. We didn't, it wasn't like the thing holding us back. It was more so that if you want to be in the church and you want to get married in the temple, which we're taught that getting married in the temple is like the only way to get to heaven, um, get to the highest kingdom. There's three kingdoms, by the way. So you want to be at that highest kingdom. I didn't realize that. I did yes, not realize that. Only so, Mormons know this. Okay. So you wouldn't have known. I need to read more books. Um so if you if let's say that you're Mormon and you choose not to get married in the temple, does that mean you you can't get into one of the kingdoms? So you can get sealed later, which means that you can go to the temple like at a later date if okay. you're worthy. So if like you're a if Mormon you- who wants to like elope. Yes. Into the nature, into nature or something. Okay. Into nature, but There's they like really highly recommend that you don't do that. Okay. They really want you to like go to the temple because they think that if you elope, potentially you won't ever make it to the temple and then boom, you're not in the highest kingdom. You can't spend eternity with your family. Like you won't be sealed together as a family. Oh, so a I think pressure. Like, it's so much pressure. Like a lot of and pressure. I, yeah. And I think that us both being told that our whole lives, it was like, that's naturally the next step. That is what we, you know, I always say should, because I think that, I mean, for two decades, that was just like what was instilled in me. And those, I mean, that vocabulary, like, what should you be doing? And so I think that we felt like getting married in the temple was the best next step. And for us, that was being worthy to get married in the temple, which meant no more drinking, alcohol, coffee, cigarettes, any sexual activity. Like it was very, um, lots of, Mm. no, you can't do any of the things that you've been doing. Now it's time to like live a life of purity and read your scriptures and go to church, go to your bishop, 
do your confession. And then they basically let you know once you're worthy to go through the temple. So, wow. Okay. So what kind of sparked you kind of going back to those values? Was it a decision that you and your ex-husband had made or did did family kind of have some influence at that point when they knew that you were seeing somebody or like, how did that go from you were rebelling and now you're back? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's a fucking trip. Like I even (laughs) think that too. I'm like, how just like quick, quick. Um, I think it was both. I mean, I think that a lot of pressure from both of our families, his dad at the time was a Bishop, which is huge. I mean, it's like a pastor or, oh wow, you know, a preacher. So he of course was very like, this is the path that is the best route. You know, I would encourage you to go on that. I wouldn't say that we were necessarily like told if you don't do this, we won't support you. It's not like that. It was just yeah. more so like, let us make you feel bad. <laughs> for not choosing this way (laughs) just enough to make you choose that way. Right. And I think also just being young, you, you, at least for me, I didn't really know who I was. Like I literally went from a religion that was very rule-based. So I had gone from, from following so many rules and just wanting to be good, whatever that looked like, and just like not disappoint my mom to then just kind of going wild in college still not really exploring who I was just kind of masking it all with alcohol and partying and whatever else I felt like doing Hmm. to all of a sudden now going back to all of these rules at which felt safe. Like I think Uh, safe is probably the best word to use. Like it just felt like, okay, even though I don't necessarily like agree with all of this and it's not something I really love, it just feels safe and feels like this is like the best option for me. Familiar. Familiar. Yeah. It's like, you've been here before, you know what to expect. You know that Mm -hmm. you can have, you know, your day to day and survive it. And yeah, you know what to expect. You're going to be okay. Whatever Mm -hmm. that means. Oh yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and the religion gives you rules. Like, so it's not like you have to like, you know, live this life of really necessarily like choosing your own path. It's very much given to you. So it's not scary or it's just very like, here you go, Chris, yeah. read your scriptures and pray and you will make it to the kingdom. You know, Right. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine. Yeah. Part of that, like that predictability is a little comforting in a way, right? Like, because there is so much uncertainty when you are really asking yourself questions about what do you personally want? How do you feel? What do you think? And mm. building your life around that versus, you know, hey, listen, this is working for other people, perhaps, as as we have shared. Right. Why don't you just go do do this? Totally. Um, So, okay. So you ended up getting married at 21. Mm -hmm. How how was it? (laughs) How long were you married? What happened from there? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, kind of like we mentioned before, I think it was such a like hot and cold situation where it was like, you went from Mormon to experimentation to Mormon, all of a sudden, again, with no really like dissecting all of it. And like, why, like, why was I so intrigued with experimenting? And like, Mm. what did I like about that? And what didn't I like? And so I think it was just so hot and cold. I didn't even really know what to expect. However, I think I always assumed that once you got married, that like the temptations you had would just like dissipate. So Mm. like, I would never think about maybe like being with somebody else, or I would never think that there was like another life for me, or I would never want to still have a glass of wine and get wild. Like I just right, thought right. that like, that was like the problem solver kind of, and yeah. I know you hear that. Like, I mean, it's like a societal thing too. Like, Oh, let's have a baby that'll fix our relationship right. when really like, there's so many things like it didn't usually inner work. Right. So yeah. I think that I didn't even know what to expect. I was just wanting anything better than what my parents had, because I, I grew up seeing that it was like so unhappy mm. that I was like, well, maybe when I find somebody that I love that I will just be happy and like everything else will 
be gone. I also think that that was another big thing. And up until, I mean, just recently, I felt like I always needed to be happy and like show up happy and like make sure everyone around me was happy. My husband was happy. My kids are happy. Like it was very like ingrained in me that I just needed to like find a way to always be happy. And so I think that that was also something that I like came into the marriage with, um, thinking that that is just like, what would happen if that makes sense? Like this now instills that I will just be married because like I said, God put me on this earth to be a happy wife and to bear children. So I truly feel or felt like that was my only, that was my only um, purpose. That was my only purpose in life. And right. so I, I think that like, I thought, okay, I've now found, like, I'm now maybe not found, but I'm now put into this position for my purpose. And this will just like fulfill everything. Right. So like, almost like, okay, once I, these, once I sign the papers, something will just click, it will snap yes. into place and, mm-hmm. and all will be good. Boom. So mm-hmm. how, how long were you dating your former spouse and how long were you married? Oh yeah. We didn't date long. Um, I mean, even like for real, just like one-on-one exclusive dating. I mean, we only dated for like two months. Whoa. Fucking crazy. Wow. <laughs> wow I wow, mean, wow. not that I'm like, and that's a different story. Cause Kurt and I didn't date for very long. However, <laughs> we were both much older and like, yeah, had experienced life and kind of knew what we wanted. But, um, yeah, I mean, two months we dated and then we had that, that chunk of time where we were like trying to, uh, get, holy again, if that, I don't even know the the term for us to prepare for our temple marriage. So right. we, um, and this is kind of an, a whole other story in itself, but when I was 18, I had been disfellowshipped from the church, which means that I had chosen, you know, to like break the word of wisdom and a couple other things. And so I was then in front of like a panel of church leaders and I had to like disclose all of my sins. And then they, we all like prayed together and God told them like what punishment like was needed for me. So at 18, I was disfellowshipped. And so now getting married, I had to now be reinstated, which meant that like, I had to go through all of the like confession, um, and a bunch of other things first. So we had to wait. I mean, like we got engaged and then we waited eight months until we could go to the temple. I think because it was just so like typical Mormon shit, it didn't really, like, I didn't really think anything of it then. However, I think I internalized a bunch of it later. Like this feels really awkward because I was raised in a very tiny LDS town. So all of these men had known me like from the time that I was like a little girl. So it was very then uncomfortable to sit in front of like my softball coach and like, you know, these people who had, who had watched me grow up and me be like, like, this is what has happened. This is what I did. And to like, watch the transformation in them to be like, okay. Because I also think that, and, and, and maybe I'm just speaking on my own experience, but it seems to me like there's a couple different types of Mormons. Like there's Mormons who are always straight laced and very, like they follow exactly what needs to happen. Like the, the worst thing they do is maybe like drink a Mountain Dew on the weekends. Okay. And then there's Mormons who like kind of do what I did where they like experiment for a while. And they're like, Oh shit. Like, why have I been told, you know, not to drink my whole life or to not have sex with my boyfriend. So I think that there's a different like levels. And I honestly think that like every man in that room had like never even like, I know for sure that the Bishop, cause he had told us many times, like he had never even kissed a girl until he was like engaged to his wife. So for me to now come in and like tell him about my like alcohol experience and sexual experiences and like all these things, I think that he was probably like, Oh my gosh, like what? And, and how do you tell these things to somebody who honestly can't relate to you? Like they have no idea what that feels like, what it would be like. And so 
And then, I mean, for them to just be like, okay, now it's time for us to all pray. And like, God will, will tell us what he thinks needs to happen to you. What led to you going in front of this panel? So it's, it's very typical that like when you sin, you go and you confess your sins, right? Like it's very, oh my God. Like I remember being 17 and I was dating this boy at the time. And like, I let him touch my boobs, which felt amazing, obviously. (laughs) And I had to go in and like, tell my Bishop, like, Oh, like I let him touch my boobs. And he was like, okay, like you can't take the sacrament. Like you can't take, it's basically like communion. So when you're living type of stuff, yeah, like you can't take this. Yeah, exactly. And which is like in front of the whole congregation on Sundays. So he was like, okay, for six weeks, don't take the sacrament. And basically like during the sacrament, just like repent, like say how sorry you are, which felt like such a disconnect because I didn't feel sorry. Like I was like, I want him to touch my boobs every day. (laughs) It felt so good. So it felt so like awkward. And then to be put in that situation where like my mom is sitting next to me. And she's like, why aren't you taking the sacrament? Like, what did you do? So it was very much like a shame and guilt thing that like was just normal. Like it wasn't weird. Like that was very much just like a part of the religion. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, so I, back to this is that of course my mom when all of this had happened, she was like, you should really go in and like talk to the Bishop. And I was like, I don't want to, like, I don't really feel ready. Cause there was more than just like my choice to do some things like other things had had transpired that I was like, I don't really feel like, you know, that I need to go and like discuss this like right away. And it was very much like the only way to move forward, Chris, is for you to go to the Bishop and like, have this, you know, like taken care of basically, like you need to like atone for your sins. You need to like you know, repent and like go through this whole process. So this is the only way to get you there. So I think it was very much more so like my mom being, and I'm sure, I mean, she was just doing what she had always been taught, right? That like, that's that's what you do. Right. And so she, I'm sure she was doing it out of like, you know, I'm, I'm helping you, but to me, it just felt again, like very forced and probably not something that I, I don't even know if I would have ever decided to. And what's interesting too, about being disfellowshipped or different bishops is that, I mean, sure. When you hold a calling in the church, like God is speaking through you, Mm -hmm. but we're all still fucking humans with like opinions and ideas. So we're all different. Like, I mean, I've had a few different friends who had like experienced kind of the same thing or on different levels. And like, they had completely different outcomes. So it's still like a very much like a personal thing. It's not like it's just a rule in the church. Like, you know, if you've done these things, all of a sudden you're disfellowshipped. It's very much still dependent on those people. So, I mean, so it's like a case God by case. He really wanted me like to get the <laughs> get fuck the- out. He was trying to teach me. He was trying to tell me through the Mormon bishop, get the fuck away from the Mormon church. I don't know. But I think that, um, oh yeah, that really rocked rocked my world a little bit because I was living in college with Mormon roommates. So we were, they were all doing Mormon things and I was kind of just like meh about it all. Like I was kind of going to church and I'll tell you this one experience. I, um, we went to like this big Halloween dance. And when you go off to college for Mormons, instead of going to like a family ward where all the families are, you go to a singles ward, which is where like all the single people go it's a fucking meat market. And it's, it feels so icky. Like it it really is like dudes just like looking at you. It's, it's weird, whatever. If you haven't been to a singles ward, you should go like just for fun. Um, anyway, so we went to this like Halloween dance and before you do anything, you like say the opening prayer. And then after it's all wrapped up, like you see the closing prayer and there was probably like 500 people in this gym and at the end of the night, I was standing by the girl who was in charge of this event. When you're disfellowshipped, you are not allowed to like give um, public prayers, public speeches. Like you can't hold a calling in the church. You can basically just like go and get filled up by the spirit in hopes that, that will like, you know, encourage you to change. So 
but I'm, I was not allowed to like give public prayers. And what does that mean? Like everybody else is participating in praying in the church and you just have to sit and look at everybody or what does that mean? Like I can fold my arms, but like, I can't like go up on the podium or like me be the one to give the prayer. Like I can participate in stuff, but I can't be the one that's like holding it or giving it. I have a question about that type of dynamic. Does that mean everybody could kind of notice like, oh, Chris is sitting there, uh, not participating. Mm-hmm. Did Jimmy so-and-so touch her boob last weekend? Is that what happened? Like, like what is, so it kind of, it, does it like kind of pile on the pressure from everybody else because they can see that you've done something? That's what small towns live for, right? It's like, who's not taking the sacrament this week? Like, I'm sure. So <laughs> right. I think that, oh, 100%. Like, and so then I think that results in a couple of different things. Like you either just don't confess your sins because you don't fucking want people to know right. or, or you just still take the sacrament anyway. Like, I, I think that it's just like, it can kind of go hand in hand because being a part of a community and being a part of a church, I mean, everyone wants to feel like they're a part of something. And so I right. think that religion, any organized religion has that going for them, like for mm-hmm. real, because people like to feel a part of something. And so when you yeah. are then told you can't participate, then it's almost like, but still come. So you're an outsider right. in a group. It's very interesting. So during this whole thing, she's like on the microphone back to this, the whole praying at the end. And she was like, yeah. okay, we need somebody to say the closing prayer. And she looks at me and says, can you give it? And I was like, I can't wait, knowing, she, knowing that you were disfellowed. She, she oh, didn't she know didn't like, because okay. it's not like presented to you don't have to like wear a name tag that says I fucked Thank up. God, like the scarlet letter. <laughs> I yeah, let they, Jimmy touch my tits. <laughs> right on top okay. of it too. Um, no. So it's, it's very much like I mean, people didn't know, like it was very, it's not like they announce it. So she had no idea. I was saying, no, I can't. And she thought that I was just like refusing just because I didn't want to. So she's still on the microphone and she's like, just give the prayer. And I'm like, no, like I can't, like, I can't give the prayer. And she was like, oh my gosh, like stop being like whatever she said. And I was like, mortified, like in front of 500 people, like I, what was I supposed to say? Like, I'm just fellowshiped. Like I can't give the prayer. Like it was so uncomfortable that I think that that was just like another thing that like tacked on to like, like resentment toward the, the organized, uh, religion. Did you have to say that you were disfellowshipped in front of 500 people? Did you give the prayer? No, no. She finally was just like, oh my gosh, fine. I'll just ask somebody else. And I was like, great. Oh my God. Oh and my then like, that God. was that, but I was still like super embarrassed. And I mean, that's just like one reason too. That's just like, you never fucking know what's going on in somebody else's life ever. Right. So instead of just like being a bitch, just be mm. nice and just like yeah. accept what people are telling you. Like maybe they can't hold space for it right then. Like maybe mm-hmm. they were about to cry because something happened in their life. Like you don't know. Yeah. And, and really in that, in that situation, I legit couldn't, like, I probably would have been excommunicated. Maybe that would have been a good thing. I don't know. But I would just like, at the time it was just so uncomfortable then to yeah. be like put in front of so many people and and had that happen. So many instances of guilt and shame and public humiliation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it it feels like from an outsider who's not been part of it. Um, So you mentioned that excommunication is something that can happen. Like, so somebody can go from disfellowship to being excommunicated. And Mm -hmm. what would you have to do to make that happen? I don't know. (laughs) Third base. Okay. Not just first. But I think and stuff. Um, I think for that, that one's more so like once you've been through the temple and you've like made those covenants, because I'm sure if you're listening and you've heard of Mormons, like you know that they wear special garments once they go through the temple, which is basically mm-hmm. just like the underwear. You're no longer wearing like bra and underwear, you're wearing like these like it's kind of like off. long johns or something or like, yeah, yeah. It's basically like that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so once you go through the temple, you make these promises, um, covenants and 
then you get these garments. Um, and so I think that excommunication is more so like once you've reached that level and then you, you know, break a rule or whatever, then I think the excommunication is more serious. So let- That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Let's say that that there's, let's say, you know, you kind of using your um your relationship with your ex as an example let's say one of you wanted to stay in the religion and one of you like was excommunicated does mm-hmm. that mean that let's say that you were excommunicated does that mean your former husband would not be able to like be around you or stay married to you if he was no in- that okay. just means that like we couldn't go to the temple together he could okay. still go but like I, I just couldn't and i mean there there are for sure like so many couples who get married where like one one person doesn't want to be mormon or okay. participate and so yeah it's totally it's fine but i think that the thing that they really like hit home with is if you aren't both worthy and going to the temple then you will not make it to that like the highest kingdom and you won't be sealed to your family forever. So like having your kids, I think that they, they get you there because families are so important. And so they're basically like, you know, you've built this beautiful family. Wouldn't it be such a bummer if you like, but if you died and you weren't being worthy, like you were breaking your commandments because then this God that we have decided to worship is going to come down and be like, Chris, you've been drinking wine and like not wearing your garments. Such a bummer. Your husband's (laughs) going to the kingdom and so are your kids. And like, you can just live in the third kingdom and like, they can't really visit you and you can't come up, but like bummer. So it's just like the whole concept. Yeah. So you like have to pick between your, your current, maybe spouse relationship, whatever it might be, or like eternity. Right. So yeah, like if you yeah. pick your current situation, that means eternity, you will be separated from your family. So you're then kind of, it sounds like you're grappling with, do I try to get my spouse or my partner or my loved one back into the church? So we're all good eternally, or do I have mm-hmm. to like move on and find another partner that feels the same way as me? So we could be together. Like is, is divorce frowned upon within the church or is it common? Like, how does that all work? Yeah. And I mean, of course, I'm just going to make that disclaimer. Like all of these are just my own experience. Like yeah. I still, I have so many friends who are LDS. I have so many people. I mean, like my mom, my family, right. like they're all Mormon and like right. live a very fulfilled, happy life. Right. But I would say that, yes, I mean, divorce is not like encouraged. That's never like a thing. Like, I think that it's more so like, okay, what's happening in the marriage? How can we deal with this and that you like go to your bishop and you seek so much outside validation and so much like outside help. Like I swear, like anytime you have an issue, people are like, go to your bishop, go talk to your bishop. And I'm like, ew, no, like he's just some like random guy I've known, you know, like he's like the dad of my friend. I'm not trying to like go and chat with him. Does he really know how to give me life advice? Like probably not. Uncle who's just kind of hangs around for. Yes. That's (laughs) what it feels like. (laughs) And so it's just like this super 
And I think now that I'm like away and have like stepped out, like it's more triggering for me now. Like my mom will even still say that like, well, so then I just like went to the bishop and I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> why? Like, just ask yourself, what, yeah. what should I do? You know, like, I'm like, you can probably give yourself better advice than yeah. fucking Joe. Once you were married, what mm-hmm. led to the separation and divorce? What sparked that? <sighs> I mean, inner work that I had no idea that I needed to do, you know, Mm. like it was just very much so. And I mean, I had mentioned this earlier, once I got married, I honestly thought that like my problems would be solved and like, I would all of a sudden feel self-love and I would be happy and I would be fulfilled. And like, that would just be that, like, I didn't think too much into the future and what it would look like for me. And this specific relationship, he traveled all over the place um, for work. And we had had Lil, I mean, within the first year that we were married. So another thing, like it was very much so I felt like that was my, my calling was to be a mom and like only a mom and clean Mm -hmm. and like take care of the baby. And I felt guilty for wanting more. Like I wanted work and I wanted like other things. I wanted to have like my own workout. And I, um, I felt like I didn't really get to have that because I mean, he was gone. So it was me either like finding a babysitter, which then was like, felt guilty to me for, I'm like, gosh, my only job is to like be a mom. And I like, feel like I need a sitter. Mm. Like it was very, it was a ton of shit that I had probably been telling myself for years and years and years that I, I was just so young. I didn't understand that feeling. Like I didn't understand how to like even do deep inner work because I had just been told if you ever feel, you know, unsatisfied, just like go talk to your Bishop about it and then like pray. And I mean, kind of like the same with like, uh, Catholics. I mean, just like say 10 Hail Marys, read your scriptures. Like you'll be good to go. Like continue to just keep going. Like you just have to just keep going. Confiding in the leaders of the church. Yeah. And just like, Oh, you know, you're just sad right now. It's fine. Like you'll be okay. You know, you're sacrificing now, uh, with your husband away so that like eventually, you know, you guys can have like this really nice life. And I am not even now, like it's sometimes hard for me to like, think about making huge sacrifices in hopes for later. Like it's, Mm. I mean, and I think I've told you that before too, like Kurt's very much. So like, let's plan for retirement. Like, let's think about 20 years. And I'm like, let's go on vacation. Let's fucking (laughs) buy a Jeep. Like, yeah, I think, and and I think that, Mm. yeah. And I think that it's good to have both. Absolutely. And yeah, I do love planning as well. Like I'm, I'm naturally a planner. I'd like to be organized, but maybe for like a year or two. And so it was hard for me to think about like, I'm married and I'm not even really getting to enjoy like this new love and this new marriage because he's gone. I feel empty. Like I just had a baby. I, I feel meh. Like it was just very much so like just confusing to me. And I didn't know how to feel full. Um, and obviously now that I'm older and I've gone through so many other things, like I know that it's like inner stuff, like inner work stuff that had, you know, experiences that I had had growing up and things that I'd been telling myself, but I absolutely started looking for like outside validation and whether that was, you know, my bishop telling me that I'd be okay or somebody else who maybe had a similar experience to me. Like I was almost relying on like other people to make me feel good and whole. Um, and I honestly, I just, I didn't want to have to feel sad and lonely. And so I just like chose to just shut off like my feelings. And when you choose to do that, I think, I mean, it's so detrimental because you, you can't just pick and choose to shut off feeling like lonely, you then shut off feeling everything like remorse, 
you don't necessarily feel sad or bad about anything. Like it literally just felt like nothing. Like kind of numb to everything. Yeah, just numb. And I, I mean, I thought that I was using my voice to say how I felt, but I mean, I think communication takes so much more than just saying like, I feel lonely. Like there's, Mm. there's more to that. Like why? And like, how, and just like being able to communicate. And I, I couldn't even like find the words. I didn't know how to talk about it. And then once I turned off my feelings, I was, and also like dealing with guilt and shame of all the things yeah, like that I wasn't good enough. And that like, I, you know, was a mom and that was my only, that was my only purpose, but I wasn't even like being super fulfilled in that. Like I just, there was so much shame and guilt around it all. I just remember being like, why would I like drag him down this like tornado hole with me when I could just not, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, so yeah, it was a little bit out of like worrying about him, but I think a lot of it was just like selfish reasons too, that I was just like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be married. Like, I don't even know who I am. I don't even know like what I want and what I like. Like I literally went from like having no rules and doing whatever I wanted to in college to then like really quickly getting married and having a baby and, and realizing that that hole was still not filled and I didn't know how to fill it. Yeah. And so, and I mean, all growing up, it was never like, how do you feel about this? How's it feeling to you? It was very much so talk to other people about it. Yeah. And so I think I was just so like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get how I'm like talking to, to this Bishop or, you know, people are telling me like, Oh, you're such a great mom or like all these things. And I still was like, it's not, I don't feel anything. Yeah. Um, and so the, the divorce, I mean, I had mentioned it and he was like, I don't think so. Like, I don't think that that's, you know, like what needs to happen. And I'm like, we're apart. Like we don't even, we're like living separate lives legitimately. Like you go to work and do your thing. And like, I am here doing my own thing when we're together. Like it's nice and fun, but like, that's it. Like there's nothing else to it. And so we uprooted and moved to Arizona. Cause I had grown up in Arizona and we were like, well, maybe we just need like a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't think that, but he said he was like, maybe this will help. Like maybe me leaving this job and trying something different will help. And I was hopeful that maybe it would, but I also felt like it was so like I had been checked out. Like I was like, yeah, not even wanting to, to, to do it anymore. Yeah. And I mean, probably about five months later, I was just like, Mm-mm. like this Not, didn't this fix it. Isn't. The move, the move yeah. wasn't it. So who didn't fix it? His job, his job being away a lot. What was he, what was he doing at the time? Was he gone like for like days at a time or was it like a more conventional? Yeah. Like weeks at a time they were doing, um, tower work. And I mean, there's towers all over the United States, like cell phone towers, TV towers. So they would okay. go and like build them, put them up, do work on them. So, I mean, sometimes it was like six weeks at a time. Sometimes he would like be gone for a long time and come home for like the weekend. Um, and I mean, he was up on a tower all day. So it's not like I could just like send him a quick text and like us chat back and forth. Whereas like, if you're at a desk, you can probably fuck off a little more, Yeah. but, um, yeah. So it was just, and I think being so young, like I was, I was wanting that, like I wanted somebody to like adore me. And like, I wanted, and I, and also I think that it's matched with like what I truly felt my role was like, okay. My role is to be like this homemaking wife, like for Mm -hmm. fucking who, like nobody's here. Oh yeah. Wow. And I, like, I wanted that. Um, and so that was hard. And I mean, like I said, I just, I completely checked out. I didn't really have feelings about anything. And I, I mean, ultimately I was the one who, I was just like, I don't want to be in this anymore. And I like made choices that then instilled that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, I was like, okay, like I've done this, let's just be done. And it was, mm. we decided to move back to South Dakota because that's where he was from and his family was there and they could help way more than my family could in Arizona. So we moved back there and 
I, we started living apart. And I mean, for that first year, it was hard. It was so weird. It really is weird going from being married and having such a, you know, like close relationship, even though we weren't, it it, it sounds weird. Like, I mean, we weren't super close, but we had still, like, we were sharing a life together and a child together. So, so it was so weird to like be living separately. We didn't know how to navigate like having Lil and also trying to act like this wasn't a huge fucking thing that was happening. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that first year was really rough. There were like really no boundaries. Um, I would get drunk and call him and vice versa. And it was just very like Mm. navigating that whole life and experience. And, um, you know, eventually he met and fell in love with, and then married his now wife. And that was super hard for me at first because I was like, well now like she gets to have this, like Mm. she gets to have this life that like I wanted, but didn't get to have like, cause yeah. he's now not traveling all the time. He's home with her. Yeah. And I mean, I knew that like it, that my marriage didn't not work because of him. It was because of the whole situation. Like I right. can confidently say that I probably could have married anyone and it probably would have resulted in the exact same thing because I didn't know how to like I, there was no self-love. There was no, um, I was like relying on him and our relationship and, you know, what I thought was my purpose to, to give me fulfillment. And it wasn't. And so it's not that it was like him or anything. It was just the situation, um, which I think was also like another layer of like, what the fuck? Like if I could have just been at a different place in my life, like maybe it would have worked, but I wasn't. And so no matter who would have been in that situation, it would have been the same thing. Um, yeah, but yeah, after, after that, I think I kind of went through still a little bit more of like same shit, different day still wasn't really like doing any like inner work or trying to figure out why I was still feeling empty. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. How did you know that, that there was maybe more out there for you or something different out there for you? Yeah. how did you pull yourself out of like feeling numb to then maybe getting excited about a new kind of life? Yeah. I think that it was a culmination of like dating people, even though I didn't really like, like them or feel like they were my person. Like I was like, I mean, and if you know me, like, you know, I love everybody. And like, I, I know my best friend is like, okay. Every time that I would get a new boyfriend, cause I'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> love him. And she's like, cool. It's been 24 hours. <laughs> Call me in like eight months. But so like, with that being said, I just, I loved everybody and I wanted to like be surrounded by everybody, but there was nobody that I was like, eh, like, it's just like, it doesn't feel um, like a partnership. It doesn't feel like anything that could last. And now I had a little person to think right. about, like somebody that obviously was never going to replace her dad. Her dad is very much present in her life, but just somebody who could be my partner or who I wanted to be partners with. And so it was just like, I had her to think about and 
it was just kind of the same shit all the time. And I was like, Ugh, I have to like figure out something that like, I need to do some hard work and I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to have to uncover all the right. shit. Like I didn't want to have to face all of it. I had heard of hypnotherapy. I don't know if you've heard of it. Maybe yeah. your listeners have. Yes. And um, I actually wasn't even seeking it. Like I was working for a local magazine at the time and I had to go around and try and get people to uh, buy ads for the magazine. And so I had seen this lady and I was like, oh, we'll just go see if she wants to like buy an ad. And during the inner or, you know, I guess interview or chat, she just started talking more so about like what she did. And I was like, huh, like maybe this could be really great for me. So instead of asking her to buy an advertisement, I like made an appointment and decided to go and try it out. And it was a, it was a lot of money. Like, I think it was, God, I don't even remember how many weeks, maybe 12 week sessions. And it was like 5k. And at and the this time is I was no therapist. Like, Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like a single mom and I was like 5k. Yeah. The fuck. Right. That's like, you know, three or four months of income for me. Um, but we made it happen and it, I don't necessarily know if that is what like completely changed my life, but it was definitely an experience and giving me like tools into like how to dig deep and like how to uncover. And it was a very safe space for me to like experience a lot of what I had shut off for the last five years, but also the last several, you know, couple decades. And so I was able to like really speak on like how I was feeling and how I had felt and not feel guilty for having feelings of like abandonment or guilt or any of that. And it was I think probably like freeing in a way that I hadn't experienced before. And so I wouldn't, I don't know if like hypnotherapy in that sense was like the thing, but it was definitely the first time that I felt like someone was holding space for me to just like experience and talk about all the things. So interesting. And we've, we have received, I mean, probably at this point, hundreds of emails from our community of people who have similar experiences being raised in a church and having some kind of shift that makes them want to distance themselves and kind of go on a different path. So I'm I'm sure a lot of people are resonating with your story a lot. Um, So once you kind of started experimenting with what you want or how you feel or kind of doing things differently, what, what happened next? Like, when did you meet your current husband, Kurt? Yeah. So I had known Kurt. Um, we had actually met, I had hosted, and this is a cute story. He'll probably be like, Oh my God, why'd you share that? (laughs) But I'm going to share it anyway. But I was hosting a new year's Eve party, like a couple years previous. And he came like one of his friends was at the party who invited him to come. And I remember him coming in and I was like, Whoa. And I was dating somebody else at the time. And not even is he just like extremely good looking, but he's, there's just like something about him and the way that he was talking. And he's just so committed. Like he, once Kurt decides something like he fucking does it like all in. Like, I mean, he's sober. He is like trained for spec ops. Like he's very like, I will do it and just fucking yeah. does it. And so there was something about that entire conversation that I was just like, wow, like love him. And he was in the friend love circle. Love him, been so. 12 hours. I'm kidding. Love him. Yes, yeah, Mallory's like, don't even text me about this, dude. Don't Your care. friend's like, here we um, go. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, God, that's funny. <laughs> He, he stayed in the friend group and I got to like, look at him from afar and he was always just so consistent with everything. I mean, he was never, cause you know, like when you're friends with someone, you kind of see them at like their highest and their lowest and like their drunkest, all the things. And like, no matter what Kurt was like, just so consistent and like the whole time. And I hadn't experienced that with somebody because I'm probably the opposite end of consistent. <laughs> and he, I'm like, do you like to hear that? What, what, I, as your operation, you were like, so cool. <laughs> I would never know, honestly. So you, you, know, you do you, Chris. 
Oh God. Okay. So yeah, he was just loved, loved, loved him. And he was training to be in the military. He left whatever. Um, and I, that was kind of when I started, I went through the hypnotherapy and all of that. And he, um, he, I had had a dream about him randomly one night and I like messaged him and it wasn't like sexual or anything. I was just like, Hey, like, how's it going? Had a dream about you. Hi. And he was like, Hey, like, so good to hear from you. Are you still dating that guy? Even though that was like, like he knew that I wasn't because he was like, he knew that guy, like he knew that we were broken up. So I was like, no, I'm not. And he was like, Oh, bummer. (laughs) I'm coming home for Christmas. Like we should hang. And it was, uh, Lily's dad's year to have her for like a week for Christmas. And so she was going to be in California, like at the same time that he was going to be home. So I was like, great. Yeah. Like I have no plans. And, um, we basically just like spent the entire, you know, week together and we both, you know, had kind of chatted about having feelings, you know, for each other before. And he had mentioned, this is the embarrassing story I was talking about. He was like, when I was walking up onto your porch, like I kind of just got like a zing feeling that like something, like I was about ready to meet like my, like my future partner. And he was like, I couldn't even look at you. Like, he's like, I just like felt How this. Weird. And I was like, really? Cause you didn't say anything <laughs> like the six months. He was like, that would have been nice. He was... <laughs> um, but he was just like, I, I didn't want to, like you were dating somebody else. And like, I knew that like, eventually, you know, like it would happen. And that was that. How and like, he really weird. did it. Like he never made a pass. He never made like an offhand comment. Cause you know, that shit sometimes yeah. happens, happens and like never, like he was just always very, like, I would have never guessed that he had like thought wow. that about me. So anyway, of course, immediately I was like, Oh, like love you. <laughs> and not even just, not even just that, but I'm like, tell me that you love me. I love you back. That's great. But I think that it was more so just like watching him for that year or more and just like listening to, like I had had conversations with him about like family and religion and life and just as a friend. Mm. So I like had seen him and heard him. And so, yeah, after that week, it was just kind of like, oh, this is really like, we were just so, I don't know, pulled together. And he was still down in Texas training. And, um, we just, we talked every day, all day and all night and like all of it. And he was like, can you like, can I fly you down here? And I was like, I don't know. It felt weird to me because I was like, you're like gone in the military. Like, how would we ever, this is fucking the exact same situation Mm. I was just in. Like, I'm not trying to like date somebody long distance. Um, and there was just something about him and I flew down and we had like a really great weekend together. And kind of from there, it was just like, he also said that when he was home for Christmas, he like told his family, like, there's this girl. And if I lived here, like I would marry her. And they were like, yeah, right. Cause he had been like a world traveler, like hippie yeah. and had never brought a girl oh, home wow. ever. Wow. And then he brings me and Lil like two for one. And, um, so I think that they were all like, what is happening? Like his mom multiple times was like, I never thought he would get married wow. like ever. And his grandma was like, I even thought that he like might like men and just like hadn't brought them home. What does your life look like now? Like how long have you and Kurt been married? What's your family situation look like? And then I have a few other questions I'd love to ask. Okay. Yes. So Kurt and I have been married for four years. We have two kids. So total of three and, um, life is just so much more me, Mm. so much more, peaceful. I'm not saying that life is like perfect, but I mean, it's definitely like Kurt is a true partner to where, I mean, we literally are so in sync most of the time and like so complimentary, like to each other's personalities. I'm like, maybe I should ask him this too, but, (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, it just feels so much more like free and 
like there's just not another word than just like I love what you said life me. just yeah life life just feels so more so much more me that is that is a fucking quotable if I've ever heard one so what have been your biggest lessons or takeaways from that entire experience being raised a certain way and then finding out that the path that fits you is a bit different yeah i think that and I, I like to talk about me being a mom because I really think that that's kind of when things started to click for me is that like, I never want my kids to feel like they're, that something's being like pushed on them or forced or like that just because I believe something they need to believe it yeah. too. And I think that like, I just always felt that way that like, this was the path for you. And this is what you should be doing. Even if it doesn't feel good to you, like just keep praying and God will like bless Mm, you Yeah, or like, you'll just eventually forget about it. And so I think that now, I mean, it's like this freedom that I can just talk about anything and like experiment and and bring it up to Kurt and like us have a discussion and me not have to feel guilty for saying like, Oh, like, do I want to have a glass of wine today? Or, you know, whereas before it was like feeling so guilty for even thinking that thought, or I, I, it's such a feeling that I just can't even explain because it's more of like a feeling yeah. than it is in words, but it's, um, it's just so much more. Yeah. The words that come to mind are just like free yeah. and peaceful for sure. So now, you know, you have three kids now, if they were considering getting married at the age you originally did, you know, around 2021, um, what kind of, what would you share with them? Scientifically, like your frontal lobe is not developed until until you're like 20. (laughs) Yeah. Till I'm like 27, 28. So I'm like, Oh, um, However, I do know people who have gotten married at 18 and like, they are going fucking strong and they love it. And like, they are super happy. I honestly, like, it's totally about you, your personality, what feels good to you. I just, if I could give any advice, like it's never to listen to outward, like outward opinions or validations or seek outward help. Like, you know, yourself better than anybody. Like your gut never lies. and. I, I mean, I love when Glennon says that in untamed, like I realized that I would never let like other people's happiness come before mine ever again. And like, I love that. And it's so true. And I preach that to my eight-year-old and I'm sure I will to the other two when they're old enough, but I'm just like, even if you think it's going to hurt my feelings, if you think it's going to hurt your dad's feelings, like you need to always speak your truth and like say what feels good to you. And so I think that, oh my gosh, any advice. And if you are 21 and getting married, like it might be great and it might really work for you. But if there has been any question or like wonder, like explore the shit out of that first Mm -hmm. rather than wait till after and then be like, oh shit. Like there's a lot of stuff that I didn't unpack or deal with. And maybe you have a really supportive partner or maybe your partner has no fucking clue how to help you either. Yeah. So it's like, I, I really truly think that it's, um, it's so personal, but to always, like, if you have any type of gut inclination, that's probably your answer. Yeah. It is your Thank answer. Thank you so much for opening up about all of this. Everybody yeah. likes to hear about um, what our guests do for their own kind of self-care, you know, practices. What do you mm. do day to day to take care of yourself? I definitely give myself time like unplugged. So not by my phone to just like sit and be definitely getting my workout in, um, drinking what I want, like my (laughs) coffee in the morning or water. Um, masturbating during the day. I'm like, I don't know any type of self-care, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'll do that too. Uh, (laughs) No wonder we get along. You have to take care of yourself. I'm like, no wonder we could. I'm like, and it really does. Like it's scientific, man, too. I'm like, let's let's just trust science right there. But it says, they say, everyone says that it'll like 
give you a little pick me up and it to- totally Amen does. to that. Um, Chris, anything that you'd like to leave our community with any kind of final thoughts? Yeah, I think just reiterating like so much self and don't shut off your feelings because that just fucks shit up even more. So like truly finding like a safe space, whether that's like in therapy. And even if you aren't going through something massive, like therapy is so therapeutic, (laughs) like it, it really does help. Like it's so nice to have somebody who can listen to you and like hold space for you. And it it, like truly putting yourself first and thinking about like, okay, how can I show up for myself? And like, you have to think about that for all your relationships. I show up the best as a partner, as mom, as a friend, when I'm taking care of myself, like 100%. If I'm not, then I show up hungry. Like I act like I'm hangry. I'm fucking pissed. I'm annoyed. (laughs) I'm like up here at all times. I'm like, but when I'm taking care of myself, it, I just feel way more just like, ha, okay. I can handle this. or I have more patience or whatever. Like I can take on more things. So long story short, take care of yourself first, whether that looks like masturbating (laughs) or looks like hitting up a gym class or just getting outside, whatever it is. Take care of yourself. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. We're also going to church. Or go to fucking church. Enjoy that too. Do it. Yeah. (laughs) Where can people find you and, you know, continue this conversation or say thanks for opening up or whatever it might be? Yeah, I'm only at like two places right now, which is my podcast called The Red Door or on Instagram at Christiana underscore Hilbert. Beautiful. All right. How awesome is Chris? Can you see why I love her so much? Um, I just want to wrap up the episode with an iTunes review. This is from Merleva's Tunes. Merleva's Tunes. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. And it reads, fantastic podcast. I absolutely love these three women. I love their kind relationship with each other, their interest in all these topics that I literally think about on a regular basis, and their ability to use humor to help balance some of the more serious topics. They are so open about their insecurities and challenges that they go through that so many women struggle with. It has made me feel so much more normal listening to their stories. And I also love laughing out loud every time I listen to an episode. Episode. I can't express enough how much I appreciate their authenticity and their down-to-earth ways of being. They support each other and are so good at calling each other out if needed in a kind way. Freaking obsessed with this podcast and wish I could just hang out with these ladies. Thank you so much for that. It's so kind. That is the whole reason we do this podcast is so you feel like you are not alone. Uh, you know, you feel more quote unquote normal. So we hope that this episode has brought some comfort to you in some way. And if you want to leave an iTunes review, you can head over to iTunes, write something, and you might get featured on the next episode. And if you want to hear more of Chris, you can check out her podcast that she mentioned. She's also guesting on this season of Eficionado, which is my solo pod for entrepreneurs, business owners, and CEOs. So there's lots of opportunity to get more Chris in your life. That is it for today. Hope you have a great rest of your week and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Self-Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. Yeah.